Hello and welcome to another spooky episode of Northside Now. This is the podcast where your mischievous hosts take you on a tour through all of the ministries and the strange happenings around Northside Church. I'm one of your spooktacular hosts, Patrick, and with me today are the Kevins. The <laughs> we've, we've got the bone-chilling Kevin Bryant and the creepy, crawly Kevin Glenn. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm good. Very good. You know, I'll be sad when October's over. Yeah. I like the nicknames. Yeah. Been I called could... a lot of things. Creepy crawly. That's a <laughs> You could go with something more uh, like scream worthy. Spine tingling. <laughs> yeah. There's been several good ones, Patrick, oh, yeah. that you brought up. I try to keep them fresh. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we're missing Glenn today. Where He's, is uh, the missing Glenn? You know, I don't even know. It's like he wanted a break for a little while or something. Yeah, I think I he's taking a well-deserved day off to spend some time with family, I think. but Yeah, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. So we've had some interesting conversations here lately, Patrick. I try to keep it interesting. You yeah, know. so the October and, of course, Halloween and all those kinds of traditions in the U.S. brought a, about several interesting conversations and I don't know if we do need to do a little recap for Kevin Glenn, but we I would love to mm-hmm. hear some of his thoughts on oh, wow. things that we've <laughs> talked about. So, yeah. Kevin, take it away. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, things that I haven't really even thought about, cryptids. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I get it, Patrick, that this is something you're interested in, but I, I had never even heard that word, unfortunately. I've heard mm-hmm. of, like, cryptozoology, maybe, yeah. but... Um, it's just the currency. Yeah, oh, there you yes. go. That's right. Nice. It's very spooky. <laughs> it's just the broad term to, mm-hmm. you know, incorporate or encapsulate all of those creatures that might exist. Right. Right. But it is interesting to think like how does that fit in with our Christian worldview, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Does that impact our faith? Like I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it almost depends on the cryptid for me. Mm. If it's if it's a cryptid that's being assumed to have some sort of supernatural power or ability, I think that might put it in a little bit of a different category than something that is uh, a cryptid like, well, I was going to say Sasquatch, but then even... But he's an interdimensional being. That's what some believe. Yeah, some believe if Sasquatch exists that he's an interdimensional being with all sorts of um, abilities. I think he's just blurry. And that's why we can't get a good picture that's of him. That's right. He's blurry. It's not, it's not the picture that's blurry. It's Bigfoot's actually Bigfoot blurry. Bigfoot himself <laughs> is a blur. Yeah. He's that fast. That's an interesting concept. That <laughs> one, one of your core traits is blurriness. That's right. <laughs> blurry. <laughs> that ghillie suit he's wearing is yeah. downright blurry. It's, it's phase shifting. <laughs> yes. And so I tend to, I think I've said on a previous episode that I, I tend to be one of those that thinks it's possible that there's a undiscovered uh, primate in the wilds of North America and maybe other parts of the world. Um, I don't think that's far-fetched, but I would limit that. For, for me, I would limit that to the realm of the biological kingdom. I wouldn't put any supernatural mm. uh, parallel jumping, portal <laughs> hopping type of abilities with it. Uh, just an undiscovered primate. Um, it's possible because we're discovering new species of things all the time that we either didn't know were there before or we thought had already been extinct. So I don't know. I think there's something to be said for the 
number of times some kind of humanoid thing pops up in in lore and and culture history so i don't know i I think it's possible i think it's possible so um i actually have an experience i could share really yeah please do yeah so i hear this yes i grew up in central florida and the florida version of this whole thing is something called the skunk ape yep and uh or the mayaka city monster uh depending on you know which part of florida so um i grew up going out in the woods a lot with with my dad and my uncles and everything and so my experience is i'm i am quite sure there's a logical explanation but it freaked me out nonetheless so here we go <laughs> um i was in a tree stand and my dad and i had were, were deer hunting and we were in the uh we were in a, a place pretty about 30 minutes from where i lived in auburndale florida and it's called green swamp management area and um, it was green and it was swampy. So those <laughs> Makes things, sense. yeah. Um, but but anyway, we were we were there. We uh, went in, got in the tree stand, settled down, and we're hoping to get a deer. Now, what I experienced was there are those normal sounds of the woods: crickets mm-hmm. chirping, squirrels running around, um, you know, birds. They're just, just wood sounds, mm-hmm. and so I was you know, set up on a game trail and just waiting, waiting for something to come through. Never did see a deer come through. So we got skunked that way. But (laughs) um, after I'd been in there a a little while and my dad was probably a quarter mile away because it wasn't really thick woods. So he was using a rifle and and, uh, he had given me a shotgun, but he was using a rifle. So he wanted to be a little further away. So anyway, I'm there and I noticed that all the wood sounds stopped. It had gotten so quiet, it got my attention. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, well, that's weird. I don't hear anything. And then there was this smell like rotten, like rotten meat and mildew. And like if someone had kicked over or or popped open a septic tank. I mean, it was horrible. Yeah, I love and that was, smell. <laughs> but it was strong, like, and it kind of came up out of nowhere. And I never saw anything, you know, I, I never saw anything at all. I heard something, you know, walking around kind of behind me, but that's it. And it just smelled, it was awful. I mean, it was gross. And it was that way for about, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. Either I got nose blind or (laughs) um, the smell went away. Chirping started. Squirrels started running around again. Birds. And then that was it. That's pretty cool, though. (laughs) I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't know if we were downwind from, you know, I I don't, you know, but it it wasn't, it wasn't like it was breezy or Uh anything. Uh So it was, it was just like, okay, everything's quiet. Something smells really bad. Something is moving kind of not like right behind me, a lot like right under the tree, you know, but it was, (laughs) you you know, yeah, Yeah. back behind me. Um, But I was like, if it is something, I don't want to spook it because it, it was so quiet that I felt like any move that I made was going to, you know, be loud. (laughs) Yeah. And draw so attention, I, yeah. And so I well, just kind of set it out, and that, yeah. that's my experience. I don't know. I don't know if the scum cake came around. I don't know if 
maybe maybe that breakfast burrito uh, <laughs> had an effect on me, a biological episode that I wasn't aware of. I don't know. Well, things tend to go yeah. quiet like that when you know there's a predator around because they're trying to, you know, yep. not be eaten. Right. It was weird. It, right. I mean, it was weird. You know, I wouldn't call it high strangeness, but it was unusual, and I've never experienced anything in the woods like that since then. That's pretty cool. So though. there you go. Who knows? Did I encounter the skunk ape of let, Central Florida? Let us know in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> it I smells skunky to me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think yeah, it could have been my cousin. My cousin didn't bathe very often, <laughs> and he lived in that area. He was just like, "Hey, what are y'all doing out here? What y'all doing? <laughs> what y'all doing? What's going on out here? Why didn't you ask me to come?" <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I've had an experience like that, but I've definitely been in a, a dark place, like a. Um, like a church or something and, and felt like there was someone there yeah, or heard something that I thought somebody was in the hallway and they weren't. But I think my, my problem is I just haven't spent enough time in the woods. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't get a chance to see Bigfoot. I need to go on like a Bigfoot expedition or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey man, we should go squatching. Let's go. Squatch. Can we call it a sabbatical and go squatching? <laughs> Squatch sabbatical. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah, we'd have to like see where where are the hot spots in Tennessee. Yeah, because I know there I know there's been Bigfoot sightings in Tennessee. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, pretty much anywhere that where there's a lot of woods, mm-hmm. there's at least one sighting. There's so, some woods yeah. behind the church. That's right. We've seen Dwayne back there. <laughs> Dwayne, <laughs> as Glenn calls him. <laughs> Oh well, one now, of the Tennessee, well Tennessee's oh. cryptid is the wild man. Oh yeah, the wild man of Tennessee. Yeah, which one of the things that I did say was in in my opinion, and now again this mm-hmm. is just speculation. I think they're all like just mm-hmm. like variations of the same species. So sort of like you have a black bear and a grizzly bear and a polar yeah. bear, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're all bears. These are all whatever Bigfoot is, Sasquatch. But depending on where you are in the country, they you know, you have your skunk ape or you mm-hmm. have your wild man, you have Sasquatch, you have the Yeti, you have, you know, mm-hmm. that's like the polar bear of the, mm-hmm. of right. the, the big feet. Right. Now, one thing that makes sense to me, though, is with the skunk ape in Florida being smaller, mm-hmm. because that's that's true of the deer in Florida. The, yeah. deer, the deer are smaller. And then you it, when you go south, there's actually a species called key deer. That are that are native to the Keys, Florida Keys, and they are like they're like dogs. They're really, t- they are tiny, tiny deer, and they'll swim. They'll swim from key to key. Yeah, um, but they're 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 tiny. But then you know, I lived in Missouri, and I mean, those deer were huge. Oh yeah, they're you taller know, than they're, I am. Yeah, <laughs> and they're in here in Tennessee. I understand they're they're pretty big. So you know, there are some things that it it, it tracks right. Mm-hmm. You know, it would you know a, mm-hmm. something like that in Florida would be smaller, I guess. And then in Texas, of course, I guess they think they have the biggest of everything. Oh, yeah, of course. Everything's yeah. bigger. <laughs> Except Alaska. <laughs> Alaska is pretty big. Well, one of the other topics we talked about since you've been here mm-hmm. was witches and witchcraft. Which one? So, exactly. Yeah. Which also, when, which I was, witch? when I was editing that episode, I realized that I do say witch, like W, which, W-H-I-C-H a lot. Cool. And whip. whip. <laughs> cool whip and that, and so when i was editing that episode it was like i was saying just randomly saying witch a lot but uh, which i gotta add the h sound in there <laughs> which but you i think you did clarify too in in this was uh because you hearkened back to the 
uh, Wesley comment about witchcraft mm-hmm. and that perhaps, um, you know, the meanings of words and things change over time. And so that perhaps his reference to witchcraft was really more to spirituality or, or the mm-hmm. spirit realm mm-hmm. as opposed to witchcraft as we might think about it today. Well, and there's even the, the um, different, different things have been called witch over the years. Um, there, you know, Tennessee has, uh, uh, the bell witch yeah. legend. And you know, that's not that from what I understand, that's not a witch in the sense of the pointy hat and the big, you know, wart nose and mm. cauldrons and, <laughs> you know, um, and all that. It's a spirit that is projected out some way. And so that is a witch spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more along the lines of a haunting or something of yeah. that nature than a, yeah. Then a yeah, witch with a broomstick and a <laughs> and and even that image is really more a touristy concoction um, cooked up by you know people wanting to um, you know attract visitors to Salem. Yeah, because <laughs> the Salem the Salem witches or those accused of witchcraft in Salem, I should put it that way, they were not you know broom flying, <laughs> pointy hat wearing. Yeah, profes- we we, Professor we touched McGonagall a little looking. bit on, on that. Yeah, because the. Yeah that image of your your witch with a pointy hat was mm-hmm. kind of thanks to the wizard of oz yeah because <laughs> that was the first time it had been portrayed like that but they just with the green skin and everything but they just wanted to show off their uh, technicolor, technicolor you know their new technology you know that's right. <laughs> so right. that's all that was they were like what if we made our skin green Ooh. and it's like oh <laughs> why because we can because we, we can, can. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the question about witches for me well, the I guess the hard hitting question that I asked them, which I I needed a, a more authoritative voice. Oh, on. great! <laughs> which I, I've I've been upset that I asked this question. I felt like I went a little too far, and now I'm about to ask it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I brought up Martin Luther mm-hmm. back in 1526. Did a series of sermons on Exodus, and in Exodus, there's the uh, the passage, "Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live," and he preached, "Kill the witches," you know. Ooh, pretty, pretty strongly yikes. back in 1526. Yeah. And then uh, I referenced the John Wesley uh, quote from his, his journal that said, giving up of witchcraft is in essence giving up the Bible. And again, I think that meant more just the proof of the invisible world. Yeah. You know, giving, you believe one, you, be, you got to believe the other. Right. Like, giving up on supernatural, the supernatural yeah. realm, or uh, you could say it another way to, to embrace complete naturalism is to give up Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, if, Everything has to have a natural explanation. We only witness what we can see with our natural senses and put in a test tube. Uh, well, yeah, it, that strips Christianity of its supernatural mm. power, which is you yeah. know, huge. So I, I took the the Martin Luther, kill the witches, mm-hmm. the John Wesley, <laughs> don't you know, don't give up the witchcraft, and then I quoted C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity, mm-hmm. where he poses the question: Is it moral? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if they had really been witches in Salem, were the people of Salem justified in what they did? Um, would that have been a moral choice, or were they right? You know, from their perspective, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was the question. And oh, okay. So that's not so bad. Just the morality of that. You yeah. Know? No, that's not so bad to <laughs> untangle. I think. Um, <clears throat> well, since you brought Lewis into it, I am intrigued because uh, <laughs> Lewis is my. He, you know, I love Lewis so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so taking Lewis's comment, I think the the justification of 
what would be, in essence, ca- a form of capital punishment for them. I don't think that would have been on the basis of them being witches or not, but would have been on the basis of what kind of crime was committed. Mm-hmm. Was it a murder? Uh, and if there was if there was a murder, then it would need to be prosecuted on the basis of the murder, not necessarily whether the person doing it was uh, was a witch, a warlock, uh, or a Tennessee Titans fan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or a Bucks fan, <laughs> or a Bucks fan. I know, I know, yar. Um, and so, if there was going to be punishment capital punishment execution it would need it would need to be on the basis of the crime that was committed not the religious belief of the perpetrator of the crime keep it about the crime and then the further question would be if one believes in capital punishment at all that's mm-hmm. but, you know, but that's another that's another debate so um i can't say i would agree with mr reformation <laughs> on that um you know killing the witches uh, i just don't think that kind of preaching lands very well. I don't. Uh, I don't remember Jesus calling for the killing of anybody. <laughs> right. You know, kill the Romans. You know, no, that I was. Yeah, I don't remember hearing that. <laughs> that was, you know, that would have been more Simon the Zealot's uh, mo um, for things. So, you know, and the thing is, I, I know, you know, we are Protestants today because of what Martin Luther started, but Martin Luther was also a flawed human being, mm-hmm. and. It, he was kind of a jerk. I mean, he was, he was not a nice guy, you know? So if, if he disagreed with you that, I mean, there's online, there's even this Martin Luther insult generator oh, yeah. where, yeah, it takes things that he has said about other people, like, and it kind of breaks the thing down into a couple different parts. And so you fill in the parts and it will generate, uh, it will generate an insult that are all direct quotes from Martin Luther and what he either said or <laughs> wrote about somebody fantastic. else. fantastic. Yeah, so there's a Martin Luther insult generator, um, or at least there used to be. I assume it's still there because it's a hoot, but I'm just like, wow, how, how troubled a personality do you need to be to have an insult generator exactly. named after you? Exactly. you know, and, it's, and, and evidently, there's quite the database. That's awesome. You, know, you may not get the same insult twice for a long time. All right, everybody out there listening, let me know how you really feel about me with uh, Martin Luther insults. Yeah, did you find it, Kev? I'm working on it. Okay. Well, give me just a minute. Yeah, we'll try to design insults for each other. Yeah. <laughs> So can't can't agree with Martin Luther on that. So no, I wouldn't call for I wouldn't call for the killing of people as part of my message, uh, part of my sermon series. <laughs> well, we also talked about there historically things that we uncover now that might not have been known at the time, and this concept of the riot mob mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, sure. an idea that is ripe in a particular time, whether it's factual or not is put out there, it can generate the kind of emotion that would drive people to riot, to mm-hmm. mob, to that might not otherwise do that. Mm-hmm. And so that was what we were saying likely in, in there as well. But an interesting conversation nonetheless. Yeah, and that's it can be hard whenever something happens and we get riled up about it and we've we've assumed. But uh, yeah, the there I don't think there needs to be just one group being prosecutor, judge, and jury. Mm. It can be really hard to say, oh, a person needs a fair trial. But even with our current legal system, as good as it is in a lot of ways, you know, how many people have we 
discovered were uh, put there erroneously. So no, uh, no, no death to witches as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, um, you could do what they did in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, put her on a scale with a duck. And if she weighs the same as a duck, is right. it, if she weighs the same as a duck, yeah. she's a witch. She's a witch. And look at her nose. This is a false one. <laughs> she turned me into newt. I got better. Well, I found a uh, insulter, but it's not Sorry. something where you put something into it. It's just a random generator. Oh, that's fine. That might that might be all that we all and, that we have left. And yeah, it does come from some of his works. <laughs> So I'm trying to find one that's somewhat clean. <laughs> <laughs> Got to find a Martin Luther quote that's appropriate yeah. for yeah, church. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, uh, this is the first one that came up. You are like a herd of swine being invited to the table of a prince. You understand not such an honor, but only ravage what is set before you, even soiling the prince. Ooh. <laughs> you people are more stupid than a block of wood. <laughs> Take the love of God with That's you. right. <laughs> and go forth <laughs> into the world. <laughs> yeah, that wow. was another one. Yeah, this, and they're all from his published work. So it's. Yikes. I wouldn't uh, want to be on the receiving end of old Martin's. Yeah, fire. really. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for wow. sure. But I think these topics are, are sort of hitting on a common theme for me as we go through them. Um, what what place does um, contemplation of perhaps imaginary things, but things we don't understand or don't know about, what, what place does that have in the Christian life? Because I think we've said before that following Christ and, and Christian faith is about mystery. There's a mystery mm-hmm. of we don't know everything. Right. We don't know how God... And from what God took to build the earth, how that came to be exactly. And it's, it's interesting because when you talk about Lewis, because um, I'm studying him a little bit more as well, but he had, I think, a cool perspective about imagination. And he obviously was imaginative enough to, to build the Chronicles of Nar- Narnia world and concept and base it in um, Christian principle. Um, but the more he, in many of his essays, he talks about other things like aliens, for example, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. that I think we're going to talk about a little bit more today. But is it wrong to imagine something, you know, if it's not spelled out in the Bible and to think, well, that could have happened? We don't know. I think maybe when it leads us into something like obsession or something that's doctrinally wrong, like directly conflicts with the Bible, but I don't know. Lewis had a lot to say about the need, especially for Christians. Uh, if He seemed to kind of critique the idea that, that people would lose their imagination or lose their emotional capacity, and in the academic arena— he in the abolition of man he talks a lot about you know we become men without chests mm. or let's not become men without chests meaning just uh, brains on sticks and uh, everything and, and it really he was really coming out against a pure 
rationality mm-hmm. for things. Um, in Surprised by Joy, his kind of spiritual autobiography, he talks a lot about it was in and through his imagination that he actually came full circle in his conversion. Yes, Tolkien and, uh, and others uh, really challenged him intellectually, but it was... I'm going to say this, and I'm going to go back and explain it for anybody that freaked out. <laughs> but but he says it was his it was Tolkien helping him imagine and contemplate the Christian myth hmm. that kind of brought him around. Now let me go back and explain that. We usually consider myth to be something false, and and a lot of times it is. What he meant by the Christian myth is that all stories and all other myths are pointing toward the myth that became fact Mm. in Jesus. That myth became history and myth became real in the person of Jesus and in his ministry and passion. And that all other stories, all other myths, find their their source in the ultimate story and point back to the ultimate story. And so it was uh, Tolkien and his genius of the imagination and fairy tales and everything as, as well as George MacDonald mm. um, and G.K. Chesterton, because both of those guys who were not contemporaries of Lewis necessarily, but he loved their writing, who really talked about fairy stories, fairy tales, the imagination and all that. So I think Lewis really was passionate about making sure when the person is baptized that their imagination is baptized as well. Mm. And that, uh, and so he says he would say many of us, uh, many of us have been baptized in our mind, but we have yet to baptize our imagination. And so for him, the imagination was a way for us to really conceptualize what it means to be a follower of Jesus, because some of what we end up living by can only be first imagined, and then contemplated on, and and then. From that imagined reality, what can we pull into our daily life? To the extent that makes sense, that's what I can. That's what I've been able to piece together. From well, this. I've heard I've heard that either I cannot remember if this was exactly him or some commentary on him, and that science is really a poor explainer for everything. Yeah, faith and uh, belief in Christ explains it all. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting kind of flip on what many scientists say, well, this, you know, the Big Bang or various different topics or um, that you would cover, well, science explained, well, it misses so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's it's not designed, science, I love science, uh, but science was never designed to give us an explanation for things that can't be tested by mm-hmm. the scientific method, right? So science has limits. Yeah, I I feel like what a lot of us do, and I in in my in in my sermon last Sunday, not this past Sunday when you uh, folks will hear, uh, but my my opening sermon in the uh, in the Credo series on belief, I go into the fact that we believe a lot of different things. Uh, whenever whenever folks will will say, some of my friends who who claim to be atheists will say. That well, you know, really, kind of my way of explaining the world around me is through science. Kevin, you have faith; I explain it through science. Well, the problem is, science is itself built on belief because an honest scientist will tell you that a human being involved in an experiment alters the results of that experiment, mm. um, and so 
it, it can be very difficult and and you know two two people can run the same experiment and get get different results uh, it can be very difficult so even in the scientific realm the idea of total objectivity is something of an illusion because mm-hmm. right. there's a human element to it so even the scientific method is built on some beliefs about the extent to which that method can give us the results we're looking for. And science has limits. There are things science is equipped to explain and things it's not. <clears throat> Theology is, is equipped to explain some things. But in the case of Genesis, you know, Genesis 1, we've talked about this before, it's, it's not as much how God created, but that God created. It's a mm-hmm. theological statement far more than it's a scientific statement. Uh, there in, in Genesis 1. So, yep, theology has limits, science has limits, um, but together they can give us that that whole picture, and it can take some imagination to to build bridges between those disciplines. Yeah, I think it's it's rationalism a lot of, for a lot of folks, rationalism really taking precedent over, you know, the, the existence of faith in, in mm-hmm. Christ's story. You know, I want to be able to reason everything out. Right. I want a fact for everything out. If you don't, it's it's sort of the Thomas situation. You know, if you don't show me, if I can't feel it, if I can't touch it, then it might it might not be real. Mm-hmm. Which leads to it's not real. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that hooks people a lot. Kind of, it stumps them a little bit. Well, I think this leads in great to our topic of conversation for today for para Northside activity. The topic of aliens and extraterrestrial life. Are we alone in the universe? The truth is out there. <laughs> yeah. Aliens. Mars attacks. <laughs> is, there, is there life out in the universe? Are we the only inhabited planet? Or yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. How, how are we feeling about this topic? I don't know. I don't know. You're all into Mars and stuff. Do you think there's Martians? Not like uh, what used to be in the Warner Brothers cartoons. <laughs> I'm going to destroy you with that's my P13 determinating modulator. Yes, Isn't right. that lovely? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know why I'm jumping into this first, but... Uh, <laughs> You're our resident space expert. <laughs> well, I get, you know, it's interesting that there have been folks like, um, I was reading a little bit, uh, John Glenn, that... Uh, saying going to space actually strengthened his faith mm-hmm. because it, it gave him a different perspective and um, he just could not conceive how any of this was possible without a creator. You know, I, I, I'm reading a little bit into what his comment was, but the, basically it was that his strength was, or his faith was strengthened by going to space. Many will say, you know, that, that, the arguments there's so many planets galaxies all this stuff there there has to be something else somewhere fermi's paradox well does that <laughs> that's yeah. right that's does right. that affect our faith at all are we the only planet that jesus came to well and and for many people it's a the story that we know in the bible is a uniquely human story it can't have happened anywhere else it's all about god and his human people mm-hmm there are others that take the perspective and the fact that we don't know if you ponder that a little bit again and understand that 
God's ways are higher than our ways. There's still things we're discovering to be true sort of scientifically that we never knew before. Is it just because they just started happening? No, it's just because we have gotten to the level of knowledge and understanding that we grasp it now, right? So the, the fact that that exists means there's a lot we don't know. Is it possible for God to have created life somewhere else? Sure. And so if it is possible, then there might be life somewhere else. See, now, is it intelligent life? Don't know. I thought I knew where I was going to come down on this subject because mm. personally, I don't believe that there's life out there. Um, however, there however, <laughs> in researching for today, I, I went to my go-tos. I, I, I looked up C.S. Lewis to see what he thought about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And after reading a lot of his opinions, you know, the possibility isn't necessarily ruled out um, because from my personal viewpoint, I, I felt like it somehow minimized or cheapened our faith and, you know, my beliefs if there were all these other worlds and well, we're just one of, you know, a lot of different worlds and it somehow sort of like minimized it a little bit right. in my mind. But I don't know. C.S. Lewis, this is a direct quote. He said, how can we without absurd arrogance believe ourselves to have been uniquely favored? And I was like, <laughs> well, okay, C.S. Lewis, like, come on, you didn't have to attack me like that. <laughs> well, grumpy, you know, grumpy Irishman. <laughs> and I think that is uh, the point of view that if we open, open our minds to the fact that that might be the case, we get defensive, right? Cause this, this changes maybe what we've always held dear or that we believe that it's a, uniquely special relationship with us and God. And I'm not saying it isn't, but the fact that we don't know everything opens the door to me to say that there might be, mm -hmm. but if there is to me, that doesn't change my relationship with Christ at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't change what he's done for me. It doesn't change the relationship that we have and, and how I believe that is something we all need. It doesn't change that in any way. Yeah. It just, to me, it's like, um, as a scientist, when you see something that is, uh, and I'm not necessarily claiming to be a science I, scientist. I love science. But when you see something that is so remarkable, the way a process works or something mm -hmm. that you, as a Christian, it points you back to the power and the brilliance and the genius and all of those words that don't even come close to describing what God is. How in the world could you say there's not God when you see this thing that is so perfectly um, created and, and worked so perfectly together? That's to me what, if there were a life out there somewhere else, that even confirms even more how mm -hmm. amazing, powerful, God is. So to me, it doesn't even put a chink in, in it at all. It expands the scope of what I, you know, think God is and what God's capable of to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think, you know, Lewis putting it only the way that Lewis can, <laughs> but you know, I think kind of, kind of tying this back to imagination, I think some of the, some of the really neat theological um, and spiritual uh, considerations for that can be can be seen in his space trilogy, out of the silent planet and Perlandria mm -hmm. and that hideous strength. 
you know, when he goes to, to these different planets, they're not fallen yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this, there's this evil presence that accompanies the main character, Ransom, to these planets, and he has nefarious and, and uh, malevolent um, intentions and, you know, tries to talk to the, the, the woman, kind of the Eve character, in there and there's, you know, temptation happening and all that kind of stuff. But what I, what I found interesting about that is even among those people, uh, those, those alien beings on, on, on the planet, well, they were indigenous to that planet. We were, you know, the human was the alien (laughs) coming there. Right. But, um, anyway, my, my, my point is that it was still sin that was trying to enter into those places, the same kind of sin that, invaded earth mm-hmm. which is why earth became the silent planet the singing stopped yeah. on earth mm. and so what i love is is in last night's frequently asked questions i was talking about moral absolutes and moral absolutes are moral absolutes because they are right or they are wrong only a sith deals in absolutes oh i know oh dear <laughs> <laughs> which is an absolute statement over one that makes you a sith oh dear you're right um but uh, so <laughs> sorry, I just I just derailed no, that, that was, a little no, bit. No, <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. You got me on that one. Um, what is right is right across all time and all situations on Earth and anywhere else in the universe. Is kind of what where I was going with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what would have been unleashed on Paralandria and 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 the and you know the other planets would have been morally wrong even there mm. even in another part of the cosmos if mm-hmm. there's life there uh and what was right was right there so it was like across across the cosmos as mm-hmm. well which i just think is so cool yeah and it took ransom sacrificing himself to spare that so it doesn't shake my faith at all to entertain the possibility of there being life on other planets. Yeah. Um, because if there is to be redemption, whatever is right and, and moral and good here, the same rules would apply. Whatever is sinful, the same rules would apply. And there would need to be accountability and justice and redemption mm. for any critter on any planet that chose to sin. Yeah, or well, fell into sin. Lewis, uh, in that same essay, which I'm drawing a blank on it now. Religion and rocketry. Religion and rockets. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Oh, I love that. One. <clears throat> yeah, he also said redemption, starting with us, is to work from us and through us. And those who are or can become his sons are our real brothers, even if they have shells or tusks. It is spiritual, not biological kinship, that counts. Yeah, and that intru- introduces this concept of of. If there is intelligent life, we are to be the witnesses to that. That's right. You know, yeah. <laughs> so go forth and explore the cosmos and spread the, spread yeah, the word, spread the you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know because is it in the same essay, Patrick, where Lewis's suggestion is that should we ever, should we ever happen upon an extraterrestrial, leave them alone? Yes. Yeah. Because they may not be fallen. Yeah. And we don't want to be... We also don't want to corrupt them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, Oh yeah. And I wasn't saying no Lewis said that, but I've, I've seen other people t- oh, yeah. kind of take the next step. God of earth in outer space. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Oh. 
if you if you don't know what that is, look up the song. It's an old Baptist hymn uh, called "God of Earth and Outer Space," and it is my new favorite song, hands down. Oh, on behalf of my former Baptist tribe, I'd like to apologize yeah. in advance. Well, I mean this this debate of extraterrestrial life has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. I also looked up our our friend John Wesley. Now he was part of quote the extraterrestrial life debate back in 1760, whatever. Okay. So, but I kind of fall where he eventually landed after years of this debate, which he was landed. So you're saying yes. Wesley was an alien. Wesley was an alien. <laughs> he finally came. Oh down no, to I Earth. haven't gotten into all my uh, ancient alien <laughs> theories yet. So, or a- ancient astronaut theories. <laughs> Methodism is a form of transplanted Martian theology. <laughs> I was kidding everybody. Right. No, right. E- no emails. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> no, but he said, I do not deny, but only doubt the present system of astronomy. And personally, I feel like that's kind of where I'm landing right now is I don't, I don't know one way or the other, but I'm not saying there is or isn't because I can't know that. But at present, I kind of uh, doubt or <laughs> I, I, we can't prove it. And so I, I'm not going to put my eggs in either basket we can't know i mean there's this whole series of um things that sort of point to the propensity that they don't exist but i i am definitely of the mind that they might but you know we haven't gotten communication that we know of this confirmed <laughs> like seti seti the seti project i'm getting yeah. something yeah. Oh, wait. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did, did you hear, hear the that. strange noises on the uh, the Martian rover? That was just me eating some candy corn. I think that's what it was. We have candy corn in the studio today, folks. So. I'm yes. so happy. That's why I'm here. <laughs> we had to lure him in with candy. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no. My next point, my next question, I Come guess. Come and be our pastor at Northside. There'll be an endless supply of candy corn, Kevin. <laughs> There's a theory that I've read. And, well, I've watched probably too much ancient aliens on the history channel but you need to do your hair like that dude aliens (laughs) um (laughs) but the idea of that the angels in the bible Mm -hmm. are those would those be considered alien encounters I think in a very, very technical sense they would be extraterrestrial because they are not beings created uh out of the earth so in times like, you know, in the story of, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah when he sent the angels down to the city mm-hmm. or even things when, you know, he sends Gabriel to talk to Mary, you mm-hmm. know, are those aliens coming down to earth? Mm-hmm. Is that where our idea of aliens comes from? I mean, they always show up and the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. You know, mm-hmm. we come in peace. <laughs> Take <laughs> us to your leader. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard it put that way. I think that's that was something Glenn asked me yeah. to uh, to bring up. I got you. Yeah, because yeah. he he thought that huh. he was like, is that why Jesus needed to be born as a human so he wouldn't be seen as alien? And I said, I guess in a in a sense, but I don't know. There's definitely, you know, when we talk about the character of God, there's his transcendence and his eminence, and his transcendence is his otherness. Mm-hmm. And his eminence is his nearness, closeness, and like usness. And we're created in his image. So I don't know that for human beings, the coming of the coming of God would be so much 
alien because we're in his image, but there's definitely an otherness there. Mm-hmm. But as far as those beings that he has created, they are a different order of beings mm-hmm. that don't exist here. Yeah, This place was not made for them. This is not their realm. And they have gone from that realm to this one. Yeah. So I think in the most technical sense of the word, that would be an extraterrestrial encounter. Yeah. If I, <laughs> you read these uh, biblical descriptions of angels, if you saw one of those, you know, it's a burning ring of fire with eyes all over it. Well, guess what? That looks like a flying saucer to me. <laughs> That's a UFO for sure. That's right. Don't be afraid. Uh, really? How can I not be? You have a thousand wings. Like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Pretty alien looking to me. I read, uh, actually found a little um, comment that referred to uh, Billy Graham. And um, it said here that, that he firmly believed there were intelligent beings uh, far away in space who worship God, but we have nothing to fear from these people. Like us, they are God's creation. And I think that's kind of what we talked about. Mm-hmm. If they exist, they would be God created and, and like us in many ways. And you have, you have other cultures like the the Aztec culture and others where the ancient alien or ancient astronaut theory folks would say these people came down and were worshipped. Mm-hmm. So what you notice about um, angelic beings is they never receive worship in and toward themselves. Anytime somebody starts to worship them, they're like, no, 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 get up. I'm a creation, you know, but demonic entities, mm-hmm. because, which are fallen angels. Mm-hmm. If they are carrying out the the enemy's um, agenda to steal, kill, and destroy and deceive, just as angels would have visited for benevolent reasons mm-hmm. and to encourage and to strengthen and to point people to God, those fallen spirits that might visit for other purposes, I would think it would be entirely within their, and I'm speculating, but mm-hmm. entirely within their purview to try to lead a person or a people astray with supernatural displays of power intended to draw them away from worship of of the lord so that's speculation theory well excluding angels Mm -hmm. do y'all think that we have ever been visited by aliens well of course i mean stargate (laughs) yeah i watched that movie you ever watch stargate i got a vhs copy of stargate <laughs> They're ancient aliens that pretended to be or, or created the Egyptian yeah. race, and they built the pyramids, which are actually spaceships. And well, one of my favorite—that's <laughs> all ancient aliens is. If you ever wonder, yeah, right, right. But one of my favorite episodes—I can't remember what season it's in now. It's like eight or nine, but it talks about how the Garden of Eden was really just a, a laboratory where the aliens created life, and that humans are actually alien hybrids that they injected the (laughs) human species at the time with alien DNA, which gave us our, I don't know. It was like, that was the eating of the the apple Mm. was when they injected the uh, alien DNA into us. I I would, uh, my comment to that would be similar to my comment about Wicca last week. (laughs) Jesus is not a part of that. So that's a big problem. (laughs) Yeah. Well, these aliens <laughs> yeah. were were reptilian in nature. Oh no! You know they got this from I think. Well, I think in the episode they said they got it out of the uh, was it the Gospel of Thomas or the Philip or one of these. That sounds about right. You know yeah. whatever. And, uh, but it's like they're these uh, reptilian aliens, and that's what the serpent was in the garden. Was the serpent was actually one of these aliens, and 
Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very pretty, creative. It's pretty I'll out give there. you that. It's and creative. supposedly the reptiles are still living among us. <laughs> oh yeah, and they're running. Yeah, they're running the government. They're running the government. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and it's funny because that takes more. That is a bigger leap of faith, uh, right? To believe 100%, that, percent. Yeah. Than than what we had, you know, because yeah, the Gospel of Thomas. It's this late, you know, very very late document. Just very few copies, highly disputed, you know, suspect. And yet we have here, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of New Testament and uh, manuscripts and Old Testament copies that are amazingly consistent across <laughs> centuries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have more information about the historical Jesus than we do about the historical Julius Caesar. And yet, no, it's got to be this thing with the go- this obscure Gospel of Thomas weird <laughs> thing. Over here, it's got to be the reptiles, man. Got to be the reptiles. Got to be that. <laughs> so it's a, like, yeah, it's that's a reach. That is that's quite a reach. Although I I will say I I'll go on record. I'll say I don't think we've been visited personally. I don't think we've been visited. I think a lot of the accounts of phenomenon are some kind of experimental aircraft that the government's got to test them somewhere somehow. Mm-hmm. And when I lived in southern New Mexico. You know they were they were testing a lot of the uh, early stealth fighters out of Holloman Air Force Base in Alamogordo, north of us. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> if you didn't know what those were, yeah, you'd be saying there's a triangle shaped UFO yeah. flying around at night. And the thing is, you would have been right. Yeah, um, it was a triangle shaped uh, flying uh, flying object that you had no idea yeah. <laughs> identity for. UAPs. Yeah, That's and then all of a sudden, you know, in the Gulf War. Like, hey, we got these new things. Right, yeah. Right. And people in southern New Mexico is like, oh, we've been seeing those flying around for years. We've been calling it in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, I tend to think that a lot of the sightings and stuff like that, I think the government would be more than happy to have people really, really riled up about UFOs and, and aliens and little gray men and everything rather than the public really being privy to some of the experimental things that, that they're doing. Mm. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 they, they think it's aliens. Great. Hey, look over here. Look over here. Look over here. And, it's still, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah there's this a, direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a podcast that I listen to uh, called strange arrivals. Oh yeah. And it talks about different alien abduction stories and things like that. Well, the first season is all about the uh, Betty and Barney Hill abduction, which is the first documented alien abduction and since then books have come out and all this kind of stuff that has disproven yeah this and that's kind of what the season is about it takes you through the whole thing mm-hmm. interviews and all this but it kind of disproves it but then they show how pretty much every abduction quote i'm doing finger quotes mm-hmm. um since then has sort of been based on that and just sort of built off of it mm-hmm. and so it's kind of hard for me to believe any of these abduction stories when I know they're all built off of uh, one that was proven yeah. false. So, yeah, but I want to believe to quote X files. Yes. I want <laughs> the truth is out there. Yeah. Yes. That's what it's I actually, I actually want to believe that there is intelligent life on another planet somewhere. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to believe that. Um, I hope they're not fallen. Um, and, I have no doubt that whenever God brings everything to restoration on the earth here, you know, that it'd be, it'd be cool to be able to interact with them and find out what Mm -hmm. their story has been, Mm -hmm. what their experience with God has been. And if they're not fallen and they remain non-fallen, what was that like? 
Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of pulling for there being somebody out there. Yeah. Yeah. As being a big uh, Star Trek fan, <clears throat> I would, I would agree. I mean, I think that there's, again, I just think God is so much bigger than we can even imagine. And if that's something that is a part of his plan, then, you know, thumbs up to yeah. that. Um, <laughs> it doesn't, and I read this somewhere too, it doesn't really change my thoughts, experience about the cross story, mm-hmm. the incarnation. None of that changes if he created life somewhere else. And, yeah. and to me, that's good enough. So you is know. Jesus just making his rounds around all the planets and like he, he left, he ascended to another planet to then go be with them. And when he comes back, it's just, he's making his rounds around the planets. Like you said the other day, <laughs> is that why he's not been here? Is that why he's not been here? Is that what we're waiting for? We're waiting for him to get through. Been no. here, finger quotes here. Just, not been here. He's right. like, Captain. I'm just joking. This is my turn to be joking. <laughs> he's, he's like Captain Marvel. You know, that's why yeah, he's not he's here. Been busy. He's been busy. He's been busy. <laughs> You know, there's other planets that need him. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, who's to say another planet needed an incarnation? Right. True. Well, yeah. true. If if they're not fallen. Interesting things to think about. Yeah. Have you guys seen Arrival, the movie? Yeah. I haven't I haven't watched that one. That is it's good. good. Yeah. yeah. It's good because it, it does really struggle with this. And this is totally a little bit off topic. But the fact that how would we even understand mm-hmm. an alien a vocabulary or whatever. It's not like Shoot we have. Shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been plenty of that historically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen Independence Day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it struggles with this idea of how do you, how do you understand that with no uh, translation device or any kind of a, oh, what's the tablet that is um, supposed to be kind of the key to unlocking the Egyptian, what's the name of the? Speaking spell? No. Uh, Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, it was right there on the Speaking tip of my toe. Speaking spell. spell. Yes. <laughs> or uh, Google Translate. Yes. It, that doesn't work. But it's it's a cool, I encourage you to watch mm-hmm. it. It's a, a cool exploration of how mm-hmm. they interact and how they even struggle to find that. It's yep. kind of like James Cameron's uh, Abyss. Yeah. Yeah. It is similar in yep. some ways. I say that without having seen ar- <laughs> Arrival, The Arrival. Arrival? I think it's called Arrival. Arrival. Yeah. 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 Um, a, a story, Project Hail Mary, mm-hmm. is really good. You have to get the audio book and listen to it because it, the way that the story is told, um, the alien that the guy encounters doesn't speak in words. It speaks in like harmonic tones. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but uh, it's written by the same guy, Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't have a bunch of bad language in it. It's a really, really good story, but it's a All lot right. of, yeah, it's a, they, they have to learn to communicate. They have to learn, you know, they can't breathe the same type of atmosphere. So it's really, really good. What was the name of that book? Project Hail Mary. Project right. Hail Mary. Yeah. In, in an early episode of the most recent evolution of Star Trek series, Discovery, they uh, encountered an alien of sorts, I guess it was a big sphere that it was so big that it looked like a planet, you know, mm-hmm. something you'd see in a comic book or whatever, but it was actually a sentient being that had lived for a hundred thousand years and collected all this data. Mm-hmm. And so what they thought was a threat, meaning, you know, it was going to explode and it had them held in a spot where they couldn't move. So an attractor beam was actually trying to communicate its last dying wishes 
to be able to transfer all the knowledge and information that it had gathered over its lifespan. And it did it with ultraviolet light. Mm. And for humans, we can't see that. But for other alien species, one of which happened to be on the ship, mm-hmm. could see this. And he thought it was something happening with him, but worked it out together. So as imaginative as we can be as humans, I got to believe, I mean, we were made in God's image, right? So it's not inconceivable to think that God has a far greater amount of creativity than we even we do. So I just find all that very fascinating and invigorating. Well, we've also got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Yeah. But one of the things still going on is Rev Kev's FAQs on Wednesday nights. Yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about what you're talking about this week? Yeah. Well, we, we got out of the um, uh, genocide stuff. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, we made it out alive. We made it out alive. <laughs> we, we did. And, uh, you know, I think that was I think that was good. I think it was a little bit of a hiccup the, the first time I was talking about some of the uh, literary devices that were used in ancient Near Eastern literature and communication. Um, but uh, we kind of we, we kind of made our way through that and um, and it, it was really good. So um, this past week, uh, you guys are getting this on Tuesday. So this this past Wednesday, I started and will continue tomorrow night a lesson on the the authority of the Bible. It's what I talked about last Wednesday night. The authority of the Bible. Why the authority of the Bible is a good thing um, because you know we're going to have an authority in and over our life. And other forms of authority are faulty and inconsistent and incoherent at best. So the, the authority of God's word is, is a very, very good thing because we are enslaved to something and someone. So kind of came away with the, uh, the quote from Augustine that slavery to God is perfect freedom. Um, hmm. And the, the Bible helps lay that out. Um, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, will be the finality of the Bible. So when God has spoken in the Bible, is that the last word? Or is there a word after that? And if not, why not? So that's, that's good because you will hear a lot of people say, well, God told me. Mm-hmm. And if God's telling you something, but it's contrary to what's already written, so are you adding to the Bible? Is huh. there additional revelation coming through you? And, um, and, and if so, what does that mean? Uh, if not, then what do you do with those times when people have said, well, God inspired me to A, B, C, D, E, but it's contrary to scripture that's been revealed. What do you do with that? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the finality of the Bible and also has the Bible said enough? Is the Bible sufficient um, for all that we face in life? So that's what we're talking about um, in our next go round. Well, I wish it said more about aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, that's cool. We're all looking forward to that. Yeah. I don't know why I am. Also, keep these things on your calendar. If you're new to Northside or if you've been visiting Northside for a little while, you are invited to Coffee with the Pastors on Sunday, October 31st at 10 a.m. in the Hope Hall Kitchen. It's the last door on the left when you're walking down the hallway. Um, It'd be a good opportunity for the pastors to get to know you a little bit better, you to get to know the pastors a little bit better. That'll be exciting. And then later that day, on October 31st, Halloween, we have Trunk or Treat Plus. Plus, 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 plus. Yes. <laughs> spooky petting zoos, spooky uh, bouncy castles. Swamp Ape might be there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
or the skunk. No, you said skunk ape. Skunk yeah. ape. Skunk ape. Swamp thing. That was swamp, a, swamp thing. <laughs> that was a comic book character. Right. Right. Movie star. Um, and then also keep this on your calendar during the entire month of November. Um, we're going to be collecting coats for the share the warmth coat drive. Nice. So we'll be collecting coat sizes, uh, child sizes, five, six to 14, 16 with or without hoods, any color for coats. We're also collecting toboggans, hats, those sorts of things. And you can drop those off in the mission bin or at the church office anytime during November. So, Lovely. yep, that's great. Yeah. And, um, we're continuing our series called credo. We're walking through the apostles creed on Sunday mornings, looking at what is it that we believe as Christians and how do those beliefs make a difference in our life. And so my next one on that, which will be the most recent one you would have heard by the time you uh, listen to this podcast will be, I believe in God. What does that mean? Who is God? What does God do? What is God like? Um, why is it important that we learn God's name? Um, what does all that mean? So hope, um, hope that was helpful for you. And then the following week will be, I believe in Jesus. So we're moving right along with, with that series. It's going to be good. Well, guys, thanks for podcasting with me. And thanks to all of you out there in the world for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Northside Now Podcast. Go to our website, northsidejackson.com, or email us at podcast at northsidejackson.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Once again, this is Patrick. I'm Kevin. I'm Kevin. No, I'm Kevin. <laughs> I'm Kevin. And that's what's happening at Northside Now. Northside Now.